I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. It's a great day. Starting the week off right and strong. How are you? I'm doing well. It's the sun is shining, the heat index is up, and we're in a, an advisory, actually. And I'm just <laughs> ready to sip on some cold beverages as we <laughs> have a fun interview today and have an amazing guest um, who's able to join us. Yes. And like always, I love, okay, I love interviewing all of our people that we get to come across, but there are just something about the women in ministry who really just, I don't know, it just makes me so excited that women are still saying yes, that God is still calling them that, um, into ministry, and they're willing to just have some fun today. And Josiah, uh, for the listener who may be tuning in for the very first time, do you want to give them a glimpse of how can they get involved to that next level, and what can they expect every Monday? Yeah, I probably should have said this like 10 episodes ago, but we're <laughs> on YouTube. The listeners on Instagram asked us for a YouTube channel. We asked for feedback. We've listened. Yep. And these episodes launch anywhere you find your podcast as well as YouTube. So what's up, guys? We'll wave at you if you can see us right now because you're watching on YouTube. Thanks for subscribing, rating, reviewing, sharing this content. Mm-hmm. It helps us carry the message of young adults today. Um, further, faster. And it's just really fun to launch new content every Monday. That's right. Isn't that fun? It is fun. I get reminders on my phone. So I wake up, I'm like, woohoo, this is who we have today. Let's so go. it's always fun to be up to date with our own stuff, even sometimes, huh? <laughs> Definitely. And we want to welcome, by the way, Faith Schiller joining. I'll introduce her in just a moment, uh, in a moment. But Faith, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you too? We're doing great. We're happy that you're here. Glad that you said yes. And we're enjoying your background. So I got to say, I watch a little too much HGTV when I have a minute here or there. So you got it going on very well with that aesthetically pleasing to my eyes. Definitely. Definitely. And Faith is the young adult pastor at Willow Creek Community Church. She's also a student at Fuller Theological Seminary. We're excited to talk all things young adult ministry, Mm -hmm. the faith of the next generation, and just dive into practical ministry leadership and have a fun conversation. So Faith, welcome to the show. Can you kick us off by just sharing with us and the listener today some of your story of life, leadership, and ministry? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. I'm, I'm super honored to spend some time with you and um, hopefully share something that will encourage and inspire some of your listeners. But just a little bit about me. My name is Faith. Um, like y'all said, I'm young adult pastor at Willow Creek in South Barrington. Um, and so I get to oversee our college students and our young professionals and kind of everything that um, happens in the life of an 18 to 30 something um, is kind of what I get to do, which is really, really fun. But before I became a young adult pastor, um, I actually grew up locally in the area. So I was a Willow kid growing up. I started cool. going there when I was about three years old. Wow. Um, so I'm Willow through and through, which was super fun. I actually had uh, my call to ministry serving in the children's ministry at Willow. Incredible. Um, Super shy kid. I really did not have very many friends. I didn't uh, like going into the big youth group environments at Willow. And so instead, I actually served a lot when I was like in middle school and high school. Um, And it was just through that kind of week in and week out serving in in the kids ministry that I really felt like God was stirring in me a call towards ministry. I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. I would have never really considered myself a leader um, or a pastor or a teacher or anything like that. Um, But yeah, that just kind of started stirring in me in high school. And then um, right towards the end of high school, I actually had the opportunity to join the staff of the children's ministry called Promised Land at Willow. Um, And so served on staff for a couple of years as a teacher, actually. So that's where I got my kind of first steps in teaching Um, two-year-olds. I would teach hundreds of two-year-olds every weekend. And I think after you can teach two-year-olds something, you can really teach anybody anything. Um, yeah, so that was super fun. And then um, when I graduated high school and went on to college, I actually ended up doing my degree online um, through a school out east. And so I got my degree in organizational leadership and was able to stay local and worked in a couple different settings and continued to stay involved at Willow. 
Um, and then once I graduated, I actually worked for the Global Leadership Summit. Um, which Love the summit. Let's the summit go. Is awesome. It's uh, associated with the church. It's a big leadership conference. So I worked there for about three years um, before eventually coming back over to the church side to work in young adult ministry. So I've spent majority of my life in young adults um, and in this area. And I just feel really, really called to uh, the people here and the young adults I get to serve. I think that's so fun. It's such a reminder that that passion can be stirred along the way. So you're a passionate pioneer, whether you realize it or not. And God was pioneering something in your heart by the sounds of it as a middle schooler, just kind of getting plugged in. And mm-hmm. I can relate to being a little more shy during middle school and high school of like, you know, I'll be behind the scenes. Um, yeah. But then when God causes you to rise up, it's that, oh my gosh, moment, like, can I do it? Am <laughs> I able to do it? But when those opportunities arise, it's so fun to hear people's stories. So thank you for sharing that portion of your life with us and the listener today, Faith. And we just have to say, I think I have attended like 11 or so straight global leadership summits. The first one was when I was 18 years old. Um, I was fresh out of high school and amazing, amazing. I, I, I love just the idea that a leader could grow maybe one or 2% every single year, every single summit. And your church, by the way, Faith, Willow Creek, um, when I was on staff at Cedar Valley, our church was a part of the network. And mm-hmm. we traveled many times our staff to learn from you guys on section communities and mm-hmm. amazing church, amazing ministry, and really a catalyst to the kingdom of God. Well, so, I know that I've attended some of those summits or leadership conferences. Yeah. And when you go there, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Yes, it's, it like, <laughs> it's like, it's like being kids camp. Like you just don't even know what to do with all the content. Like you literally have to sit and like non it for the next month and be like okay layer by layer personally what i need to work on ministry where are we flawed or where are we falling short and how can we call up those leaders around us so it's always been fun to attend those and to to learn from some amazing people and we know that you um, are a seminary student if that's correct right currently a seminary student faith what has it been like being a seminary student during the season of our world and like from the time it's a crazy time to be alive it's a crazy time to be alive and it's like you're juggling all these things and it's like like, how do I harness myself in on you know the current and the next and the now while enjoying the process and being able to retain all that I know sometimes when we get in the classroom we're like yep, fire hose moment. And it's like, yeah, here we go. And it's like, okay, what I just learned, at least that's me. (laughs) So what a time to be alive from like learning and growing and being in ministry. But can you just share what has been your seminary experience in this day and age, more or less? (laughs) Totally, totally. Yeah. So I'm um, a student doing my master's of divinity at Fuller Theological Seminary in California. And my program is entirely online, which is great. So I can kind of do it self-paced throughout the week um, around my ministry schedule, which is out of control most of the time. (laughs) Um, But I would say like overall, it's like honestly really hard. It's difficult to manage both being a seminary student and um, working in full-time ministry. I decided to go back to school in the middle of COVID last year because I felt like, oh, you know, COVID, nothing's going on. Great time to just start grad school. So I made that jump um, and I actually started, I wasn't hundred percent sure that I would finish or even want to finish. It's just been a desire that I had. And so I figured why not just start and, and just take it one class at a time and kind of see mm-hmm. where it goes. So that's the way that I'm pursuing it. Um, my MDiv right now one class at a time. So I'm set on a seven year schedule, so it'll take forever to finish. But um, my goal is actually not really to finish, to be able to say I have an MDiv. My goal is really to be able to learn and apply what I'm learning into my ministry. Um, And so for that reason, I actually really love being in school and ministry at the same time, because I'm able to focus on one concept, again, Mm -hmm. one class at a time, um, and really focus on how do I apply this one thing that I'm learning into my ministry. Um, So that has been uh, a really good discipline, I think, for me over the last year and a half that I've been in school. Again, focusing on that one thing and figuring out how do I just get 1% better, 2% better, 3% better in this one thing, and then be able to look back over the year and see how many different facets of my ministry has grown. 
Um, but I would say like overall, uh, it takes a lot of discipline to be able to balance both things at the same time. My normal schedule starts around five in the morning. I get up, do homework before I go to work, go to work, have a full day, come home, write another paper, go to bed. And that's, you know, five days a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> busy most of the time, but I'm really, really loving it. Um, I think one of the things that I'm learning that has been really helpful for me is, um, and I, I think we might talk about this a little bit um, later in the podcast, but um, young adults right now are really in this conversation around deconstructing their faith. And that's why yeah. we see a lot of young adults who are walking away from the church and walking away from their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and seminary actually in large part helps you deconstruct and reconstruct your faith in new and fresh ways. Um, And so for me, being able to go through a process of deconstructing things that I've always thought I believed or ways I always thought about God or things I always thought about the Bible um, with also some infrastructure around how am I rebuilding it or reconstructing it in a helpful um, way has been really helpful for me as I'm walking with young adults through that process where they might not have the infrastructure around them. Um, We see a lot of young adults who are deconstructing without any intentional reconstruction and so being able to help a young adult through that process and be able to say like, Hey, I'm experiencing that too. And let me share what I've learned with you um, has been really, really great in this season. Okay. That's so mm-hmm. cool. Do you have a favorite class that you're in or you've taken so far? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I loved my new Testament overview class. It was like, again, drinking from a fire hose, just a lot of information, but so great. Um, currently I'm in an interpretive practices course, which is all about like, how do we get meaning from scripture. Um, And it is blowing my mind as far as the way that we've always been taught to think about the Bible, the different um, philosophies or ideas behind which that we extract meaning. Um, And it's just really, really challenging to think, oh, the way that I have thought about how I understand scripture is just one of the ways we can think about understanding scripture. And so sometimes I like, I'm reading a passage and I'm, I'm applying a different uh, methodology maybe. And it feels like I'm reading a fresh book. It feels like I'm reading a new story. Um, and for somebody who grew up in church and is somewhat right. familiar with a lot of scripture, it really um, has given me some cool, fresh perspective on the Bible. That's fun. Mike and I just value education and learning mm-hmm. and kind of our goal is to be mm-hmm. lifelong learners. And mm-hmm. so I think my favorite part of undergrad or grad school was mm-hmm. the community of learning, like mm-hmm. just hearing what God's teaching others in the class or learning from the questions that they're asking, asking other people questions during class, <laughs> outside of class. Yeah. And even to this day, kind of having a little bit of that cohort that lives on and um, so I was just curious in asking that question because I'm like, man, from the past year and a half, all the things that have happened through globalization, through technology, mm-hmm. through a pandemic, what a fun time to be learning and living <laughs> and alive in ministry. Pretty yeah. special. Mm-hmm. And kind of back to you, going one step deeper, I know you mentioned it could be deconstruction, reconstruction, uh, mm-hmm. it could be other things as well, but what are you seeing faith? through seminary or through practicing ministry Mm -hmm. at Willow Creek, what are you seeing kind of when it comes to the next generation of 18 to 30 year olds and their faith in Jesus? Yeah, uh, such a good question. And I think there are so many layers to this. Um, So I'll try to hit as many as I, as I possibly can in in a couple minutes. But like I said, the deconstruction, I think is a really huge thing, um, especially for like that older group, maybe the group that's right out of college. They're asking a lot of really critical questions of why, why do I believe this? Why do I go to church? Why do I, you know, X, Y, Z, they're really questioning most things. Um, And generationally, they're really okay with being different. They're really okay with um, feeling like they're the outcast of society or that like an older generation might look down on them. That's less of a badge of shame as it might have been to some previous generations. And so they're really okay with, um, a sense of like, uh, yeah, difference from maybe what their parents or even just older adults in their life, maybe think about, um, church or Jesus and things like that. I think one of the really interesting things that I've been watching that has changed specifically between the millennial generation and generation Z. So the, the gap right now is right around 25 ish, depending on how you count it. So millennials would be 25 and up and then generation Z would be um, 25 ish and down Um, is Gen Z is largely leaving the church, but not necessarily leaving their faith like millennials. Mm. 
Um, and so, so excuse me, <clears throat> what I think is really, really interesting is um, it's less of a conversation about why are, why are Gen Z leaving Jesus and more about why are they leaving the institution that's supposed to represent Jesus. And I think um, a lot of the things that we've seen in the last year around racism and uh, just some more, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going in and out. <laughs> we thought you were just really moved, really touched. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so a lot of the things that we've seen in the last year uh, coming to light, uh, racism, some of the LGBTQ questions that are not being addressed in church really um, creates a disparity between the Jesus that young adults know and love mm-hmm. uh, and the church that claims to know and love Jesus. And, and they're, they're really okay with saying, hey, maybe these two things are not the same anymore. Um, and so how do I just pursue Jesus? And so whether that's right or wrong, and, and I think me as we as ministry leaders obviously want to figure out, how, well, how do we create a church that really reflects Jesus? Because we feel like church is an essential part of the life of a Christ follower. Um, but I think it's really important to to uh, understand why young adults are leaving the church um, and where are the disparities that they see between the Jesus that they love, because again, they're not leaving their faith, they're leaving the church um, and how the church actually reflects him. Um, So there are a lot of different things I think we could talk about, but I would say that's probably one of the biggest distinguishers that I see right now. Wow. I think that's great to like, I'm just, Josiah's taking notes I see and I'm just absorbing everything that you're saying. And it's mm-hmm. fascinating to see like what you've, what you're studying, what you have studied yeah. and how those things are going to, you know, continually reveal, you know, the route in which the generations take and the church, mm-hmm. whether we're going to adapt and adopt a new approach, or if we're going to stay the same as, you know, church as a whole, I should say more or less. Yeah. And we know that faith, we just appreciate the fact that you've said yes to the call of God um, and as a ministry leader, as a woman in ministry and giving your life essentially in this season for not only learning, but young adults themselves. Yeah. And the one question that we love to ask people who are passionate about young adult ministry is simply, why do you believe that young adult ministry is so important and vital to the church, to society, to the world, essentially? Oh, such a good question. Um, every single young adult is looking for belonging and connection. And in the, in the season, the life stage of being a young adult, you're, you're looking for that outside of your family. You haven't created it in your new family yet. And you're um, looking to be an independent individual outside of your, your um, original family. And so you're kind of in this in-between stage of I'm not there and I'm not there. And so where am I? Who do I belong to? Who are my people? How do I find belonging? Um, so I'd say that's probably the number one reason why young adult ministry is so important is the need is so specific. Again, you don't have this, this new family that you're creating. You're not really as connected with your original family. And so you're really looking for family and connection. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important um, today for churches to realize about young adults is that the life stage of a young adult is actually increasing um, substantially. Yeah. 20, 30 years ago, it was very common that when you graduated college, you probably got married relatively quickly and had a kid before you turned 30. Um, I was actually just looking at some stats, like I think it was a poll that happened maybe in the 80s. 70% of all young people had crossed like four of the five adult uh, life markers, which are moving out, being financially independent, getting married, have a kid, um, completing college. So four of those five markers 70% of all adults had crossed by the time they're 30. And now it's less than 25% of young adults have actually crossed four of those five markers by the time they're 30. It's a powerful finding. Yeah. So the life stage of a young adult is really expanding. So instead of uh, this two to three year gap between when you're a high school kid or a college kid and a young family, we're talking about almost a 12-year gap now when somebody graduates high school or college and when they actually enter into that young family life stage. Um, and we know that the majority of our churches are actually set up to serve young families. Like those are like the target audiences, which yep. is great. But what are we doing for the young adults that are within that 10 to 12-year uh, life stage? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's uh, in previous years, we probably just took a little bit of a gamble and hoped that once young adults had kids, they'd come back, which was probably true. 
Um, but I don't feel like that's a really safe gamble to take anymore, considering that you'll be out of church now for 10 to 12 years before the church is really targeted toward you. Um, and again, with the movement that we see of young adults leaving church but not leaving their faith, um, I don't think it's safe to assume anymore that people are going to come back to church once they have kids. Yeah. Just said, you want to share, I don't want to get it wrong, but that finding that you found about people more likely to live with their parents than marriage, like oh, what was that? Definitely. Yeah, there was a recent um, article that came out that shared that uh, a young adult, really, it was actually a millennial, is more likely to still live with their parents mm-hmm. than own their own home. Mm-hmm. And I think that that communicates uh, validation of mm-hmm. the other study or poll that you found that kind of these indicators or markers of not success, but kind of defining what is an adult who is an adult, what is, you know, what are the behaviorals or tendencies of adults and to see that adolescence is being delayed, life stages um, are being elongated. And I think that that Mm -hmm. two of the things that you have shared, one was kind of like some of the critical questions that would maybe cause a young adult to want to dissect their faith or deconstruct their faith, or just at least evaluate um, Mm -hmm. where, what they believe and why. I think along with the church can either step into those conversations or step out of those Mm -hmm. conversations as a choice. And then I think the whole demographic of 18 to 30 year olds and a little beyond to your point, every church can really ask the question, Mm -hmm. are we going to ignore? Are we just going to kind of tolerate? Are we going to kind of, or are we going to have intentional efforts of discipleship of the next generation? whether they're a college student, a young couple, earlier in their career, wherever they find themselves in life, they matter as the now generation, as the next generation as well. And we know too that kind of this whole thing that I think it's Andy Stanley shares often is you marry the mission. Mm-hmm. He says you marry the mission of Jesus and you're mm-hmm. really flexible with the model Yeah, because the mission is mm-hmm. unchanging, yet the model is actually necessary to change, to try some new things. And we're right. free as Christ followers to experience, experiment with new models mm-hmm. and fresh ways of connecting mm-hmm. the mission of Jesus with the community and the, and the world around us is mm-hmm. our call and great com, you know, commission to do. So we know that churches are always, you know, Willow mm-hmm. Creek included, trying fresh and new things. So mm-hmm. since I've been there last um young adult ministry has probably changed. Are you willing to just kind of share at least today what young adult ministry at Willow Creek Community Church looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, young adult ministry at Willow has looked very, very different for many years. Yeah. Um, It is, yeah, it is one of the ministries that has actually like stopped and started multiple times at Willow. And so our goal in kind of this iteration of Will Young Adults has really been to go at a pace that's sustainable so that we can be sustainable into the future. Um, and that really, I think, has created some sense of longevity within our community that we're not this super, tra- like, while we as young adults are super transient in the season of life, the community and the ministry that they know and love will still be there when they come back. To that's so good. Yeah. And they, you know, X, Y, or Z. So that um, is really one of like the foundational things, I guess, that I'm doing as I'm working on building the ministry is how do we do this in a sustainable way? Um, so right now, it probably looks somewhat typical of a, of a regular young adult ministry. We have a service that's specifically for young adults on Thursday night It's called The Well. Um, what's unique about it is that it's an entirely peer-led service. So the majority of the teachers, communicators, worship leaders, artists, all of those um, things, technical artists, even our young adults from within the community. So occasionally we'll bring in a campus pastor or a senior pastor or somebody from the outside, but we really want it to be a community led experience. Um, so the person on the stage is the person you're sitting next to at shake, steak and shake, you know, afterwards. And there's really a sense of, of community and leading from within as opposed yeah. to this hierarchy of leading from above. So as far as my leadership team, we kind of adopt that mentality um, I have a leadership team of young adults who are within the ministry, who hold different leadership roles. Um, but again, the expectation is that you're a leader from within and not a leader from above the ministry. So you're participating, you're playing the games, you're going to small group, all those things, um, and participating as a young adult and not just a leader um, above the ministry. So 
that's what we do on Thursdays. And that is um, kind of an all-in event for young adults across all of our campuses. So at Willow, we have seven um, regional locations across the Chicagoland area. Wow. Um, and the well actually kind of serves young adults in all of those campuses. So at our South Barrington campus, it's, it's a fairly large campus. It's where the majority of our young adults are, but we'll pull young adults from other campuses to come in um, and just experience that like collective um, energy, I guess you could say, of being in a room full of young adults. And then um, on Mondays, we have something that we call hubs, which is essentially a collection of small groups that meet um, at the various campuses or homes or places kind of within the area. So it might be three or four small groups that meet together. They spend an hour, you know, having a meal together, playing games, sharing a testimony or something, and then break up into their gender specific small group. So that really allows the community to be able to connect with like, you know, the 30 people that you have a birthday party with or go bowling with or something like that. And then have you know, your six or seven guys or girls that you're really um, sharing your heart with and doing life on. That's so fun to hear Faith. When I was on staff back in North Dakota, it was something we always talked about is we need connection points throughout the week, you yeah. know, just a Sunday service kind of sit willy nilly by anybody and then you leave and you're considered a young adult and mm -hmm. recognizing like I need community throughout the week. So one thing and one approach that we took is very similar to yours where we would have um, Sunday service. So we'd like attend one, serve one. So we'd have our Bible study girls and guys get together like, hey, we're the ones on, you know, coffee this week for the month. So we're just going to be serving coffee. Then we're going to sit together and attend a Sunday service. That's awesome. Um, Tuesday night, we would have specifically in our house, we have 10, 20, 30 young adult women who would come. And then Thursday night would be our large group service where one to 200 young adults would come every week. Mm -hmm. We found that once we started kind of, instead of going like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then you don't see anybody for four or five days, so we kind of had spread it out. And we saw just a tremendous opportunity for authentic relationships Mm -hmm. um, real lifelong relationships, whether that be a marriage kind of crazy things kind of come out of that one, or if it's just, um, just having some friends for life, you know, lifelong friends. And so love that model of you providing opportunities. Yeah. I think for us as ministry leaders and volunteers, it's our job. I feel like that's what God has charged us with. It's our job to provide an opportunity. I can't force anybody to be there, but I can invite and I can have an opportunity and I can pray into that space and place where God wants to move however he wants to move and he can do it. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say that many of our listeners today, even um, as we record this, we would say probably about 60% of our listeners have launched a brand new ministry or have taken over the role in just the last six yeah. months. It's crazy. So COVID is kind of just, you it's know, a reshuffle. Cause, yeah, a reshuffle. There you go. <laughs> So I would just be curious to ask you this, like what advice do you have for the listener who is overtaking a current ministry and trying to navigate the waters of essentially team building, empowering volunteers, maybe finding volunteers and equipping the saints to do the work because you're only one person and you have seven different kind of things going on when it comes to locations how would you encourage or what advice do you have for the listener when it comes to the initial takeover when you have a whole team or maybe you have nothing and you're just like a deer in headlights? <laughs> yes. Yes. Man, I have been there. That was, I mean, that was me. When I, when I came on from the Global Leadership Network staff to the church staff, we were in the middle of essentially re- defining what young adults, what the young adult experience at Willow was like. Um, I would say that the, the, the first thing I would do if I was either stepping into a new ministry or starting a new ministry, maybe from scratch, is pause and just take a moment to define reality. Figure out who is on your teams, figure out how many young adults are connected into your church, um, and take a substantial amount of time to stop and listen to them. Listen to the ones who are connected, um, who are interested in building the ministry, who want to see um, a community grow, um, get their ideas, spend time really trying to understand exactly what they're looking for. 
And then connect with the young adults who are not interested in being a part of your ministry. Why is that? Why are they not interested? Um, were there previous ministries and there's some hurt there that you need to, as a pastor, be able to step into, even if they never come into the doors of your ministry? Right. You're first and foremost serving the young adults at your church. And so how do you, as a pastor, pastor all the young adults, regardless of whether they're in your ministry or not, um, pursue those relationships and pursue those people and try to learn as much as you can. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is um, spend time with your leaders, um, your, your ministry leaders, meaning like the people that you are reporting to and understand what they want out of a young adult ministry. I think often um, we, we get excited about the idea of like, oh, I have this space and I'm just able to run in and create it. And that might be your scenario, but oftentimes your boss, your pastor, your direct um, report has an idea of what they want this ministry to look like. It might be that they want you to run and kind of create this like new, fresh experience of what church is um, in your context. And that's awesome. If you get that green light, run with it. Um, but it might be that they actually want you to help figure out a strategy for integrating young adults into your Sunday experience or your volunteering experience or something like that. Um, figure out what your direct reports are looking for and see if you can negotiate with them to figure out what the best model will be like so that you really have that buy-in. I think often I see young adult pastors who get really excited about something and they start it. Um, and after a period of time, they discover that their strategy and the strategy of the church actually are a mismatch. Um, and then the ministry closes. And that actually creates a lot of hurt for the young adults that are within that church. So do your due diligence to understand where you are and really where you're going as a ministry. Um, and then I would say start building your leadership team. Spend time with those young adults who are in. Give them tasks to do and let them run. You're not building the ministry of Faith Schiller. You're not building the ministry of whatever your name is. You're building the ministry for the young adults who are in your community. Mm -hmm. So let them speak into that vision. Um, they're not going to be the most professional. They're not going to be the most educated. They're not going to be the most anything. Um, but if they have ownership over what they're doing, they're going to bring their friends to it. They're going to tell their families about it. They're going to tell their coworkers about it. Um, and there's going to be a sense of like deep connection and belonging within your ministry because your core volunteers actually have built it themselves as opposed to you just handing them something to do in a nice little box with a lot of expectations. Um, so those would be the first couple of things that I would do really understand where you're starting, what your leaders are looking for, um, and then empower your leaders to run and give them a lot of bandwidth um, to be able to make creative decisions, to be able to lead things, um, and to be able to start gathering some momentum around your ministry. That's so good, Faith. I think those are great starting points for anybody, whether you're wanting a, a reset or you need to restart something or you're restarting something that's maybe been lying dormant. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I just want to touch on that you alluded to, Faith, and I think it was so important, is the fact that there are going to be people in the age demographic that are hurt, that are broken, that have experienced the loss of the pastors moved on or they forgot about me or I'm overlooked or whatever hurt is, is hindering them from saying yes to the Lord or yes to attending even an event that's, you know, put on by young adults. Mm -hmm. I think that's the power of an apology and mm -hmm. kind of being a pastor that bridges that gap, even though you may have had nothing to do with the story, nothing to do with the hurt, the hurdle or the hang up. And yep. I find power in that just because of, of I'll give you an, a real life example. And that is, so for example, like we have this huge conference every January for our Chi Alpha students. And many of them come, may not have a faith background, may not even had um, any form of religion prior to stepping onto a college campus or relationship with God and exposure to what that truly is and means. We have um, parents and people who have come in and have been able to pray over, like stand if you've never had a parent pray over you. Okay, parents and directors and leaders in the room who are parents, you mm -hmm. bridge that gap and bless this wow. like they're your own child. You know, like you're bridging that gap for yeah. a parent who may not know the Lord. And just the power of that. And I think it kind of can be put into perspective, like there are hurting people in the church that have a chip on their shoulder. And we may not have any part of that story, but we as pastors have an opportunity to say like, I'm sorry that a, a pastor and on behalf of being a pastor myself, I want to apologize yeah. for their behavior, even though I wasn't there and I can't change what happened. Mm -hmm. I, I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive so-and-so 
for what has been said or done. Just know that there are no perfect leaders and there are no perfect pastors. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. And sometimes that just disarms the fact that, wow, this person in front of me cares so much about me saying yes to an invitation, whether it's Christ or an event, that their guard comes down, maybe even towards you as a leader with the title pastor or whatever that may look like. So just for the listener listening, we have an opportunity and I don't want to say necessarily an obligation, but we have an opportunity to have a pastoral moment, even though we played no part in the initial hurt. So that's just what came to my head and heart. So I don't know if you have anything more, Josiah. (laughs) I'll just follow that up by saying, here's what I found in young adult ministry is I believe it's one of the most challenging outlets or assignments in ministry. And that is an incredible opportunity. Here's what I mean. Young adult ministry is different than almost any other form of discipleship within the church. And here's why in, you know, promised land or wherever your kids expression is in your youth expression, if they're below 18, they're still a dependent on their parent who made the decision for them to come. Mm -hmm. They're brought there by their parent. Whereas when you're dealing with young adults, you are dealing with a tremendously hungry demographic Mm -hmm. because there's really not anyone slouching in the back row because they came with Uber or Lyft or they drove themselves, they were in a carpool or public transportation. Mm-hmm. They decided to come. It wasn't their parents' decision. And then I think that, so you're dealing with really mm-hmm. hungry, but also you're dealing with the demographic that's, we've alluded to it, asking hard questions, mm-hmm. the wrestling with real life challenges. And um, I think that every church needs to ask this question of how are we engaging young adults in our discipleship efforts? And here's why I think that's really challenging is that then the leaders, the faiths, the the listeners, um, you have a tremendous assignment from the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit to bridge kind of a gap Mm -hmm. and to serve a generation where you have two things. Young adults are wanting more than just one Sunday service a week. They need faith, accountability, community, connection, relationship, Mm -hmm. discipleship throughout the week, more than just seeing you in passing, singing some songs, which is amazing in worship, but they're Mm -hmm. longing for more than one service a week. And then you have leaders, church leaders are hesitant or maybe have a fear of young adult ministry becoming siloed or becoming a church within a church. So these questions and, and really faith's encouragement to you guys today about asking your leaders what their vision is or what their Mm -hmm. expectations of you. It's tremendously freeing that then you have Mm -hmm. kind of the the freedom to operate within that blessing and to extend Mm -hmm. the vision of that church and that visionary, that leader to a generation. And I just wanted to say that because the work you're doing matters so much. Mm -hmm. We believe in you. We're cheering you on and Honored to be a part of the conversation today. Yeah. Okay. So I'll ask the next question. Yes, this is my do. question is because I, I love this one. Um, so Faith, I would just love to hear what advice do you have for the female who's listening today, who's called into ministry and is passionate about serving Jesus? Like what, what would you say to them if they're wrestling with the call or they've already accepted the call as maybe a single female mm-hmm. ready to lead, willing to lead and wanting to be used? Mm. That's so good. I love that question. Um, the, the first thing I would say, I probably have a couple things to say, but the first is, um, is that your call to ministry is not dependent on your gender. You're not being called to ministry because you're a female, you're being called to ministry because you're called and you're gifted. Mm-hmm. And so don't let the conversation of being a female pastor, being a female ministry leader, get in the way of what, you know, you're called to do and who you're called to be. Because at the end of the day, our gifting and what called God calls us to do is based on who has created us to be and the gifts he's given us um, and not on whether we are a man or a woman. And so I would say, um, keep your primary focus on your call not on the conversation of your gender. Um, but I think it is definitely important to be aware of this conversation and to take intentional steps uh, because it's going to be a factor in most churches and most ministries that you walk into. 
Yeah. Um, I would say two things, probably specifically to women who are entering into a call of ministry, who know they're called um, and are trying to figure out what that looks like or how do they succeed in the ministry setting. The first would be um, is is know what you're saying. Again, like I think a lot of young adults, um, we have a lot of people who are talking, right? We have a lot of people who are sharing their opinions, who are sharing their thoughts. Um, your thoughts and opinions are valid and they're needed, but we also need to hear truth from you. And so make sure that you know what you're saying, make sure that it's founded in scripture um, and make sure that you know your stuff, that you are the best at whatever that is. If that is administrative tasks, be the best. If you are a preacher, preach your heart out, like get really good at what you do um, so that your gender doesn't even have to come into the conversation that you are a gifted X, Y, or Z in ministry simply because of who you are and your talents. Um, and then the other thing is pursue mentors and sponsors within um, your organization. I think it's really difficult for women particularly um, to find mentors or sponsors um, within the ministry field because the majority of um, the pastors, the elders, the leaders that we're working for are male. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in church settings, there's kind of these interesting dynamics between what is appropriate and what's not for um, a female and a male relationship. So I would say um, have guts just to have conversations, to name it and to say like, hey, I'm not... I'm, I'm not looking for anything awkward or to make you uncomfortable, but I want to grow as a preacher and you're the only preacher in our church. And so how do you help me grow as a preacher and just name it and come with suggestions, tell them, Hey, if I send you videos of me preaching, can we sit down once a month and you help me um, grow in this area? So you might not be looking for the mentors that you you're normally used to looking for of the women you can go out to lunch with and kind of share your heart with. Um, but if you're looking to grow as a preacher, find a preaching mentor and ask them to help you grow in that area. If you're looking for, um, yeah, what, you know, whatever, whatever that area is, find somebody who can help you grow and ask them to help you. Um, I would say to men listening, I would say start looking for women to invest in because there are women within your church women within your organization um, who don't know who to go to to ask for help or to ask um, to be mentored or sponsored in some of these areas um, and they don't know if it's appropriate to ask you and so mm -hmm. I would say start looking for women we often like to look for the mini us when we're choosing a mentee or somebody to sponsor um, and so I challenge men in particular start looking for for women instead of men. There are lots of men in your church who are going to cover the guys. They'll be great. Start investing in women. Um, and then the other thing I would say to just men and women in general is we um, need to continue normalizing hearing spiritual conversations from women. Um, and so if you can do whatever you can to start listening and ingesting the voices of women talking about spiritual conversations, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really, really help you start to normalize Mm -hmm. Again, hearing spiritual conversations from women. So whether that is listening to podcasts that are hosted by women, um, following women pastors on Instagram, and even just like listening to those highlight reels. I mean, listen to Christine Kane, follow Lisa Turkers, mm -hmm. all of those different women, and just start ingesting what they're talking about. I think often when we think of female pastors or female ministry leaders, we think of um, the woman who teaches on Proverbs 31 and the woman who teaches on Mother's Day weekend, right? Like there are these kind of these very specific things and buckets that we kind of give women, oh, they can talk about that. Um, but women can talk about the full counsel of scripture. And so we need to start normalizing, um, receiving that type of conversation from women. Yeah, Faith, I think that's a great reminder for whether you're male or female listening is to recognize that we all have something to offer. If we mm -hmm. said, if we've said yes to the calling of God, we have different giftings, we have different abilities, we have different approaches and different voices, but then mm -hmm. still, if it reigns true to the word of God and to the functionality of our gifts and our talents and our abilities, whether it's from a stage or behind the desk or maybe a hybrid of both, yeah. um, to recognize that there are people around us and sometimes it takes us praying into Lord reveal to me who should be mentoring me or who should I even ask to mentor me? What area do I want and need to grow in? And one thing that I'll just share with the listener, just so we live above reproach and not that you have to adopt this, but this is something that I, I really learned. And I'm glad I learned early on was uh, number one, the rule of three, you know? So if a male is mentoring me, is there another female that's wanting to grow in this area? So there's a rule of three. 
if I'm going to get in a car with a male pastor, is there another party with, so it's always three people. And, um, I've just taken that into account to recognize that because I was single when I was called into ministry. So there could be a lot of interpretations of what people see versus the reality of what's actually taking place. And another thing that we did, I was mentored by a pastor and we met, um, in like an open setting in the church where it's like, Hey, I'm wanting to grow in this specific area. Here are my questions. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, it's Micah and -and so-and-so meeting. No questions asked. Like it was open door, you know, whether we sat, like use it as a desk and I was on the couch, the doors open and anybody and everybody can walk by, peek in, interrupt. And we weren't frustrated. I wasn't frustrated as a mentee by that because I understood the importance of being mentored by a male and wanting to like absorb some of that wisdom and knowledge and approach, but giving that person permission to call me out like, oh my God, I listened to this preaching thing and you did not exegete that properly. Or you took um, a topic and you just applied a scripture or however they needed to correct. And I think um, just being mindful and our intentions of our heart may be pure in any and every mentoring setting, mm-hmm. but we don't want to give the enemy a foothold or give a person an idea that is a false accusation or a false representation or just a false thought that somebody can just take and run with, you know? So yeah. just the importance, just a reminder. I don't know. That's been our approach and yeah. I just really appreciate that. So I, don't yeah. know I, think. I think it's great to bring additional like, people into those environments again to live above reproach tell your boss what you're doing hey i'm meeting with this senior pastor and he's critiquing my messages tell um your family members that you're being mentored by this person make sure that person's assistant knows what's going on like it doesn't have to be like a secretive thing um and i would say don't let it be a secretive thing and then i also love that recommendation of bringing other people along with us into those conversations I'm sure all of us as females in ministry, we have our friend, you know, the the desk buddy that like is trying to grow and trying to get to that next level. And um, as women, we can actually play a huge role in bringing other women along with us. Um, So I think that's a great recommendation. Is there another female pastor in your church that wants to grow in teaching? Can you both enter into some type of mentoring relationship to grow together? I think that's huge. That's huge. And here's what I'd say is just two quick thoughts. The first is this is my vantage point of what I've observed Mm -hmm. from Micah's experience and my experience being a young guy in ministry as a young male pastor. What I've realized is the amount of mentors and the pool of possibilities, we'll call it that way. The pool of possibilities on my side is just a lot broader. Mm-hmm. And it helped me a lot to understand that and to validate that as a female, the pool of possibilities, as if you're looking only to females to mention, yeah. it's a smaller pool of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And let's just say it like it is. Yep. And, and then to recognize um, all of the things that both Faith and like I said, are great. One example that I've been really inspired and encouraged by is a gal from the 1940s mm. named Henrietta Mears. Henrietta was from Minneapolis a part of First Baptist Church in downtown Minneapolis, was a school teacher, took a brave, bold step of faith and moved to Hollywood to pastor a young mm-hmm. adult Sunday school <laughs> at Hollywood First Presbyterian Faith. You're nodding. Do you know this story? I don't, but I love it already. Henrietta <laughs> was like one of the pioneers in the Sunday school movement. Mm-hmm. And her whole thing was preaching God's word, teaching, mm-hmm. and she really created the, I mean, like the cutting edge content for her generation. And here's her hundred year legacy that lives on today. Bill Bright, who founded um, Crew, mm-hmm. he was a part of her ministry at First um, Hollywood First Presbyterian. Billy Graham was a part of her ministry. Uh, Ronald Reagan, who was a former, actually at the time he was an actor and a part of her <laughs> ministry and later became a United States you know, president, um, the list goes on and on and on of like most of the moves of God on college campuses, mm-hmm. a lot of student volunteer movement, many of those things, evangelistic efforts at reaching the next generation point back to her, her cutting edge content and curriculum for Sunday school. And so I think that God is wanting to use 
those who are simply willing to say yes, Mm -hmm. they're available and to take bold steps of faith. And it might involve a cross country move. It might just be a simple, small yes of obedience. But I look at Henrietta Mears and her book, Dream Big. There's some books that are published about her um, as biographies and also a quote book. And she could flat out teach the word of God (laughs) to the point where Billy Graham said of her that no other woman outside of his wife and his mother had a greater impact on his life and his ministry. Hmm. So I just want to say that as an encouragement to right. Faith, to Micah, to the listener, and we get to go into a Here really fun part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. So five and five. So Faith, this is our, one of our favorite parts. We have mm-hmm. five questions, okay. less than five minutes for your final thoughts. Are you up for the challenge? I'm up for the challenge. Bring it on. Okay. Let's All right. Go. Want me to do number one? Yeah, kick it off. All right. I'll kick us off. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Okay. Three words. Um, listener. Rooted. Ooh. And creative. That's good. That's good. So fun. You know, one of the things we believe, Mike and I, and also with just this podcast of Young Adults Today is that we are a generation that honors those whose shoulders we stand on Mm -hmm. who've gone before us and mentorship, discipleship, leadership is such a key component of that. So Faith, can you just share about maybe one mentor or leader or pastor who's invested in your life? Yes. Um, There was a, a children's ministry pastor in the children's ministry that I grew up both attending and then ultimately volunteering in and working in. Um, her name was Gail Green. And she was the first person to look at me and say, Faith, you're a leader and I trust you. And I think I was in seventh grade and she put me in a, a toddler room and she said, Faith, you're going to run this whole room. And I was looking around and there's all these adult volunteers around me. And I'm like, are you sure? Me, you know? And she's like, no, I trust you. You can do this. You're a leader. And from that moment on, that really was like the launch of my entire leadership journey was somebody getting on my level, looking me in the eye and saying, Faith, you're a leader and I trust you. And then actually giving me something to do with that. That's so good. Thank God for the Gail Greens. Mm-hmm. All right. Amen. Question number three, Seriously. Faith. If you could ask us a question one day or one day, oh my gosh, question two day. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I would say, I mean, from like your experience and then your work with young adults, um, as a young adult leader myself, I'm only 25, I'm still trying to figure out what all of this life is. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say is one of the things that young adult leaders do that actually hinders their leadership that we could learn from? That's good. You got anything? That's a deep question. I'll start by saying this, Faith. That's a great question. Um, How I'll start is saying that One of the challenges that I dealt with starting in ministry, I think I was 22, fresh out of North Central University, becoming (laughs) the first ever young adult pastor at Cedar Valley Church. Most of the people, when we launched our young adult ministry, they were older than I was. Mm -hmm. So kind of that moment, like when Gail Green hands you the keys to the kingdom of the (laughs) two-year-old toddler room, and you recognize that, wow, I'm actually responsible for leading something significant. And many of the people Mm -hmm. who are volunteering, they could do it. Mm -hmm. They're called, they're capable and they're older. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was one of the challenges that I've dealt Mm -hmm. with. And in fact, at 29, soon to be 30 now, primarily dealing with college students for the first time I'm dealing with young people who are about a decade. I've got about a decade of life on them Mm -hmm. for the first time. And so that means I'm married and none of them are. Mm-hmm. We've got soon to be two kids and they don't, we have a house, a mortgage, those things. And so just by sheer life experience, it's changed the dynamic. But I think right. that one of the things that I've observed is just the challenge of the reality of leading a ministry mm-hmm. where about half the people are younger and about half of the people are older. And this is where it gets confusing and complicated is the lines become muddied or gray of who's mm-hmm. my friend. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who am I their pastor? Who mm-hmm. am I discipling? And, and time is, I think the only, and experience and age is kind of the only thing that shifts this dynamic, but that is a real um, challenge mm-hmm. for like every conversation. Am I, do I have the, and so what I would do is just ask 
the person that maybe I went to high school with. You're entrusting me to speak into your life. Do I have the permission to put on the pastor's hat for a second and to just partner my mm-hmm. faith with yours and to, to pray with you and to, mm-hmm. you know, to join our faith together. But I think that that's one of the most challenging things when you talk about young yeah. adult ministry and young leaders is kind of the whole charge to first Timothy mm-hmm. is twofold. And we think of, don't let anyone look down on you, but by itself, that's pride. If you just mm-hmm. say, you can't look down on me, right? I'm untouchable. Keep I'm reading. entitled. <laughs> You gotta look at that part of we're called to set an example in purity, mm-hmm. in deed, yeah. in speech, in life, in purity. And so, but that is a really challenge, uh, challenging dynamic yeah. is what it is. Yeah. I think it's a tension that you get to manage throughout that process and to, I could go, that's what I, that's the direction I was going to go to, but I'll just go somewhere else. I think, um, for me, I, I don't know how to, he- I don't hesitate to trust people, but sometimes we hesitate to empower people, wow. um, whether it's because we don't, like you had alluded to before, like they may not, you know, maybe that was our other podcast. They may not be the smartest, the brightest, or the most ambitious, but they do have something to say and they do have something to contribute and they want to be a part of something and they're willing to, to sit with you. They're willing to be a part of the story and they want to hold up your arms so I think a lot of it has to do with being a leader that can one cast a vision you're hearing from the people, but then you're going to put what you're hearing into a form of practice that falls under your lead pastor's direction of where he wants to go or his vision of the church. Mm-hmm. But then you have permission essentially as the young adult pastor to have your vision, um, you know, kind of. Within that. Within that. So you have the umbrella of lead, then you have you, and then you have all the people that God's surrounding you with. And to empower people, I think starts with starts with you being comfortable and confident of who God's created you to be. Know the vision and the practices of how are we going to accomplish that mission, whatever our mission statement is, if there's one for our church. And then be willing to hand over and empower people and trust that they're going to do what they say they're going to do and not, and let, and giving them room to fail, I think is hard as a leader because you want to come and you want to pick up the pieces because it's a reflection of us as leaders. No, I'm a flawed leader. And I forgot to like, tell them about this. When does the event start? When is set up? When is tear down? And I think when we don't empower people, we hold on to that power for ourselves and we start building our own kingdom, our own ministry, our own platform, our own name. And we fail to recognize that we're not in control about like, well, who is this about? This is about Jesus Christ and building his kingdom. I just get to be a piece of the story, but I need to be a leader that is comfortable and confident and willing to recognize recognize that I'm flawed. I'm not Jesus Christ and I'm not the Holy spirit. And I'm willing to admit and recognize and say that I'm sorry and Mm -hmm. to hand over portions of things I may not be gifted in, but trust that God is going to bring somebody in who is passionate about whatever area I may be falling short in. So I think, I think that's the biggest thing is to be able to cast the vision while empowering the people God's given you. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise we're just gonna be building our own kingdom and turn around and recognize that nobody's there and we did everything in vain. <laughs> so I think that's a tension that every young adult in young adult ministry is trying to navigate on top of everything Josiah said, like, what is my role here? And who do I let in as a lead pastor? How do I lead as a single female who may have the desire for marriage someday? How do I make myself available to a, a potential suitor um, that is professional. You know what I mean? like, there's so much gray. And I think that's where we don't want to live in camp there, but we have to say, God, give me eyes for the mission. God, give me eyes for my mate. And Lord, give me eyes for the ministry and remove all the other distractions. And so those dreams, those passions and desires will come to a head. It's just a matter of time and tame my heart in the process of so those desires instead of, you know, running wild. So that was probably five minutes right there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like a whole other podcast in there. Like I, there's so much there to unpack. That's good. Oh so my good. Gosh. Well, back to you, Faith, question four or five in this rapid fire. 
it's the lifelong learner question. Is there maybe a embarrassing moment or <laughs> glorious failure that you'd be willing to share with us? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, I, re- I really hate questions like this. Not going to lie. <laughs> um, you know, I've definitely had my share of those moments where you get off the stage, you just preach and you go back to your team and you're like, how was it? And they're like, yeah, you know, you'll get them next time. And you're like, okay. Um, Definitely had those, especially as a developing teacher. I think coming back from those is always the hardest, like getting back up there again, going up there to close after, you know, you just bought something is hard. Um, But I would say, honestly, I think um, some of the biggest struggles for me in leadership for a lot of the things that happen behind the scenes. Um, I think like it's easy to talk about the the kind of the public failures and those kind of funny moments that we will become a preaching analogy at some point in our life, you know, but um, there are little things that happen throughout the week, throughout the day in meetings um, that can actually really add up to some big failures. Um, and for me, one of the things I think that I caught early on and have taken steps um, to hopefully address Um, is my leadership anxiety. I'm a young adult and I suffer from anxiety. And there are times where I have let that anxiety get the best of me in meetings, in, um, in social settings. I'm an introvert with anxiety. So like going to large young adult gatherings, honestly, sometimes not my favorite. And there have been times where I have um, not showed up well. I've not been gracious to people. I've not led well. I have um, not showed up at all on occasion um, because I let that anxiety get the best of me. Um, And those are not moments that I'm proud of as a leader. Um, And, you know, since kind of like putting those two things together, I think uh, being counseling has been really important to me. Having a consistent rhythm of prayer and worship has been really important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I would say that's a struggle that like continues and is probably one of the things that um, I think if I let go unchecked could really jeopardize my leadership in the future. Um, yeah. And so I, I try to stay on top of it, but I, I don't want it to become an epic failure at some point. And right now it feels like many little failures, but I'm trying not to help add up. Yeah. Faith, thank you so much for going Definitely. there. And I think many of us in, in leadership can easily, you know, have that same anxiety, knowing that everything we say and do, it can be recorded. Any studying that we're in, we know eyes are on us to some degree, but to recognize that God is in control and, and mentoring can help with that. Counseling can help with that. And it, I, I just want to say that I, I am proud of you for saying like, Hey, if, if, if this goes unchecked, I'm aware of this and I'm willing mm-hmm. to do something about it now versus yeah. if, or when, yeah. and yeah. I think sometimes we, we don't re- we reach that point later on. And then we're like, Oh man, I wish I would have exactly address this X amount of months, weeks, or years ago, Mm -hmm. we've come to the final question. Mm -hmm. And if we, if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders, one thing, if we gave you the microphone, what would you leave them with today? Mm, So good. Um, My encouragement and advice would be to not sacrifice yourself, your family, your own spirituality on the altar of ministry. I think it is so easy to feel like, man, I'm called to this. God is in it. He's moving this vision. We have somewhere to go. There's a sense of urgency. Um, And then all of a sudden you wake up at some point in your life and you're burnt out. You've missed moments. You maybe missed your twenties, maybe missed your thirties. And all of a sudden you're, you're wondering what was this all for? Um, And I don't want to get to that point. And I don't want, um, all of your listeners to get to that point either. So I would say it create intentional rhythms now in your start of ministry so that you can be in ministry for your entire life. I think we've seen so many pastors and leaders who have burnt out in their thirties or forties or fifties, um, or who have made significant mistakes at some point in their life that come back and actually ruin their entire legacy as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, use your 20s, use this time when your platform is small, when your leadership comparatively to maybe where you want to go is small and get good rhythms, get good Sabbath, have a good rule of life. What are your um, replenishing? What are your relationships? What are you doing week in and week out to continue growing as a person and continue growing in your personal relationship with Jesus outside of your ministry? 
Mm-hmm. Get those rhythms solidified in your 20s as a college pastor so that when you step into your next call and your next platform, you have the character to really carry it. Wow. What a note to leave on faith, because here's the beauty of being a young leader is the time is now just Mm -hmm. like Esther had her 414 moment where she was born for such a time as this. This is our moment as young leaders. And the beauty of what you said, faith is there's a a depth of wisdom to it Mm -hmm. to think long, Mm -hmm. start now and to think long, think about finishing well and where it starts is today and the disciplines yep. of today lead to those dividends that are desirable tomorrow and in the future and beyond that can even echo into eternity when Christ is at the center of it. And I think that's the beauty of being a young leader mm-hmm. is that you have time. If there's yep. an area that is out of balance yep. to go to counseling, to share with a mentor, to share maybe with another pastor or to reach out to somebody about the desired that's goals right. and outcomes. So faith, mm-hmm. we just want to say thanks A great big thank you for your time and investing in this community of young leaders. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been a great conversation. Yes, we've had so much fun. And if you want to find out more about Faith Schiller and Willow Creek Young Adults, you can connect with us at youngadults.today as well as any of our other social media platforms at Young Adults Today. Once again, this is Mike and Josiah. Josiah. (laughs) That's good one. Josiah signing off with faith thank you so much for listening thanks guys thanks for listening to today's conversation on the young adults today podcast if you enjoyed today's episode go ahead and subscribe rate and review this podcast i'm all wired up right now plug me in i'm getting charged up right now yeah